Welcome back, everybody. Chip and Eric reading through the Bible. It's America's number one. <laughs> Speaking of laughing, <laughs> frantically, Eric, today is day 307, and we're going to read Acts 19.21 through 22.29. Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before going to Jerusalem. And after that, he said, I must go on to Rome. He sent his two assistants, Timothy and Erastus, ahead to Macedonia while he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. About that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. He called them together along with others employed in similar trades and addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business, but as you have seen and heard, this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned about the temple of the great goddess Artemis, and it will lose its influence in that Artemis, this magnificent goddess worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of her great prestige. At this, their anger boiled, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Paul wanted to go in, too, but the believers wouldn't let him. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent a message to him, begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Inside, the people were all shouting, some, some one thing and some another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander forward and told him to explain the situation. He motioned for silence and tried to speak, but when the crowd realized he was a Jew, they started shouting again and kept it up for two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. At last, the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. Citizens of Ephesus, he said, everyone knows that Ephesus is the official guardian of the temple of the great Artemis, whose image fell down to us from heaven. Since this is an undeniable fact, you should stay calm and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, but they have stolen nothing from the temple and have not spoken against our goddess. If Demetrius and the craftsmen have a case against them, let the, court, the courts are in session and the officials can hear the case. Let them make formal charges, and if there are complaints about other matters, they can be settled in a legal assembly. I'm afraid we are in danger of being charged with rioting by the Roman government, since there is no cause for all this commotion. And if Rome demands an explanation, we won't know what to say. Then he dismissed them, and they dispersed. When the uproar was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. Then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. While there, he encouraged the believers in all towns he passed through. Then he traveled down to Greece, where he stayed for three months. He was preparing to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some Jews against his life. So he decided to return through Macedonia. Several men were traveling with him. They were Sopater, son of Pyrrhus, from Berea. Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy and Titius and Trophimus from the province of Asia. They went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. After the Passover ended, we boarded the ship at, Philipp at Philippi in Macedonia and five days later joined them in Troas where we stayed a week. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the, with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said. He's alive. 
Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. Paul went by land to Asos, where he had arranged for us to join him while we traveled by ship. He joined us there, and we sailed together to Mytilene. The next day, we sailed past the island of Chios. The following day, we crossed the island of Samos, and a day later, we arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. But when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. When they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia, until now I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in homes. I have one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. Hmm. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watching care over you night and day and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God. In the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. I've never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. When he finished speaking, he knelt and he prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he had said that he would never see them again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. After saying farewell to the Ephesian elders, we sailed straight to the island of Kos. The next day we reached Rhodes and then went on to Patara. There we boarded the ship sailing for Phoenicia. We sighted the island of Cyprus, passed it on our left, and landed in the harbor of Tyre in Syria, where the ship was was to unload its cargo. We went to shore, found the local believers, and stayed with them a week. These believers prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul should not go on to Jerusalem. When we returned to the ship at the end of the week, the entire congregation, including women and children, left the city and came down to the shore with us. There we knelt, prayed, and said our farewells. Then we went, on, then we went aboard, and they returned home. The next stop after leaving Tyre was Ptolemaeus, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed for one day. The next day we went on to Caesarea and stayed in the home of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven men who had been chosen to distribute food. He had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. Several days later, a man named Agabus, also, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over, took Paul's belt, and bound his own feet and hands with it, and he said, The Holy Spirit declares, So shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. But he said, Why all this weeping? You are breaking my heart. I'm not ready. I am not 
I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. After this, we packed up our things and left for Jerusalem. Some believers from Caesarea accompanied us, and they took us to the home of Nason, a man originally from Cyprus, and one of the early believers. When we arrived, the brothers and sisters of Jerusalem welcomed us warmly. The next day, Paul went with us to meet James, and all the elders of the Jerusalem church were present. After greeting them, Paul gave a detailed account of the things God had accomplished among the Gentiles throughout his ministry. After hearing this, they praised God, and they said, You know, dear brother, how many thousands of Jews have also believed? And they all follow the law of Moses very seriously. But the Jewish believers here in Jerusalem have been told that you are teaching all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn their backs on the law of Moses. They've heard that you teach them not to circumcise their children or follow other Jewish customs. What should we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. Here's what we want you to do. We have four men here who have completed their vow. Go with them to the temple and join them in the purification ceremony, paying for them to have their heads ritually shaved. Then everyone will know that the rumors and all f- are all false and that you yourselves observe the Jewish laws. As for the Gentile believers, they should do what we already told them in the letter. They should abstain from eating foods offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meats of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. So Paul went to the temple the next day with the other men. They had already started the purification ritual, so he publicly announced the date when their vows would end and sacrifices would be offered for each of them. The seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grabbed him yelling, Men of Israel, help us! This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple and even defiles his holy place by bringing in Gentiles. For earlier that day, they had been seen in the city with Trophimus, a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. The whole city was rocked by these accusations, and a great riot followed. Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple, and immediately the gates were closed behind him. As they were trying to kill him, word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately called out his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. He asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. Someone shout, some shouted one thing and some another. So since he couldn't find out the truth in all the uproar and confusion, he ordered that Paul be taken to the fortress. As Paul reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent, the soldiers had to lift him on their shoulders to protect him. And the crowd followed behind, shouting, shouting, kill him, kill him. As Paul was about to be taken inside, he said to the commander, may I have a word with you? Do you know Greek? The commander asked, surprised. Aren't you the Egyptian who led a rebellion some time ago and took 4,000 members of the assassins out into the desert? Uh, no. Paul replied, I'm a Jew and a citizen of Tarsus in Cilicia, which is an important city. Please let me talk to these people. The commander agreed, so Paul stood on the stairs and motioned to the people to be quiet. Soon a deep silence enveloped the crowd and he addressed them in their own language, Aramaic. Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. As I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring bring followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. 
As I was on the road, approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light, but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go to Damascus, and there you will be told everything you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light, and I had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law, and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And at that very moment, I could see him. Then he told me, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple and fell into a trance. I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, Hurry, leave for Jerusalem, for the people of the Lord, the people here won't accept your testimony about me. But Lord, I argued, they certainly know in every synagogue I am that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And I was in complete agreement with your when your witness Stephen was killed. I stood by and kept the coats when they took them off to stone him. But the Lord said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. Then they all began to shout, Away with such a fellow. He isn't fit to live. They yelled, threw off their coats, and tossed handfuls of dust into the air. The commander brought Paul inside, ordered him to lash with whips to make him confess his crime. He wanted to find out why the crowd had become so furious. When they tied Paul down to lash him, Paul said to the officer standing there, Is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and he asked, What are you doing? This man is a Roman citizen. So the commander went over, asked Paul, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am, Paul replied. I am too, the commander muttered, and it cost me plenty. Paul answered, but I'm a citizen by birth. The soldiers who were about to interrogate Paul quickly withdrew when they heard that he was a Roman citizen, and the commander was frightened because he had ordered him bound and whipped. And, and that, that is, is our, our reading, reading today. today. That is our reading today, and we read that with two questions in mind, Chip. We did. You may know this already, but they were, what's this tell us about God, and what's this tell us about ourselves? And so I ask you, Chip, <laughs> what does this tell us about God? Yeah, I really like this. I, I, I think, you know, um, this doesn't shout shout out through the text here today, but I really like the fact that God designed believers to be a family. Hmm. And we do see that. Like, they're supporting one another and sharing the gospel, you know, and they're concerned about who's going and where they're going and their safety and their protection, and and they're praying for them and praying with them that the gospel will go out. And they have this, they have this camaraderie, and, hmm. and it's all centered around <clears throat> the good news of Jesus. And it's, you know, they're believers coming together wanting to share the gospel. And I just love the fact that, you know, they're, they're a family, you know, and, and how, like, when they arrived, the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem welcomed us warmly, you know, mm -hmm. family, welcoming family, sending out family, praying for family, you know. Believers, we're, we're a family. We're supporting one another. We're encouraging one another, you know, in our work to share the gospel, to do what God's called us to do. And that doesn't, like, scream at you here, but it's, it's there. Well, it's, it's definitely there, and, and that's what the church is all about. It's, it's family, supporting and praying for one another and seeing one another, and I just love that part of church. And, it's, uh, and I hope you're a part of a good one where we're, we're together as family, supporting one another. You know what, though? I, I don't know. I do think that it kind of screams out in the text. And the reason I oh. say that is like, um, you know, so for instance, this, this farewell with the Ephesian yeah. elders, right? Like, 
um, when I was away at that conference that I recently went to, I had to wait two hours in line for my rental car. And uh, the guy in front of me in line, we were just chatting. Oh, and I'm like, geez. so what, you know, what are you up to? What are you doing? You yeah. know, we found everything out about each other. And he's like, well, I'm on my way to say bye to my dad. Oh, he flew all the way out there from wherever to say wow. bye to his dad. And so like, I was thinking like, you know, I've got some close friends that maybe I would do that for, but not, but that's his family. So he's going to yeah. fly across the country to say bye to his dad. Kind of yeah. like they make this special stop in Ephesus and go find the elders so that he can yeah. say this last farewell yeah. to them, you know? And then, um, you know, then they go on and they end up staying with Philip, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Philip, the guy who baptized the eunuch, right? And it says, um, we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed for one day in Ptolemaeus. And then the next day we went on to Caesarea and stayed in the home of Philip. Yeah. Um, Philip got no heads up that they were coming. Yeah. Who do you let just crash at your house with no warning? Yeah. Family, family. right? Like, family, that's right. You know, so I, I don't know. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think there's I like definitely that. that family. And what's crazy is... Paul tries to speak with familial language to the Jewish people, too, and he says brothers and esteemed fathers, but they reject him. Yeah, they did. But the brothers and sisters don't reject him, Mm -mm. the brothers and sisters in Christ. So, yeah, I think, and I've made a bold statement before that, like, I truly believe that, like, yes, family is so important, so special. God has placed you in your family. It is the only people group that you don't choose Mm -hmm. for yourself, the only, you know, group around you that you're born into. You don't get to choose it. Um, But the reality is, we should be closer with our local churches than we even are with our family. For real. Mm-hmm. We, I really believe that. Like, I love my sister. I've got a great relationship with my sister. But I should be closer with the brothers and sisters here um, than I am mm-hmm. with her. Yeah. And, and to a large extent, I am. So mm-hmm. I agree with you completely, mm-hmm. Chip. I mean, God yeah. designed it to be a family, a spiritual yeah. family. And I think we got to live like it. We do. We and do. it transforms things when you do. It really is yeah. transformative. Yeah. And, and so it, be careful, though. Because you don't want to, you don't want to be this person that says, "I wish they would do this," or "I wish they would that." If you want it to be a family, make it a family. Yeah, exactly. Pray with people, yep. love people, give to people. You do your part, and it will come around. Yeah. You know, so many times we complain about what they're not doing instead of what we're not doing. So we got to do it. Start with us. Start with you. Show be family. Up, show up with no notice at their house and ask to spend the show night, up. or go to a, go to a sporting <laughs> event, or, or but for real, yeah, yeah, make special connections. Yeah, yeah, I agree Seek with that completely. Do your yeah. part. I love that chip. That's a great so what. It's been a while yeah. since we did like a solid so what. That's a great so yeah, what. Is yeah. like the church is meant to function as a family, and so each of us can only control our own actions. And so do it. Start acting like it's a family, and I bet you it'll start feeling more and more like a family. Yeah, it will. Amazing. All right. Thank you all for joining us today. Yeah, our family. Our family, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Please don't stay. come by my house for a place to stay unless you like sleeping on a bunk bed because I don't have any yeah. extra beds in my house right now. Well, you can come to our house. That's true. Yeah. But you can sleep on the bunk bed. I mean, I wasn't sure. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, you can take the bunk bed. Yeah. yeah. Or the shed. <laughs> or the shed. <laughs> all right. Well, we definitely have to go. Yeah. We love you guys. You love us. We're family. We'll- we are family.